0: You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammey. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Well, I'm glad you have come so that we can hear from Jesus and his holy word about the angels. So what can we say about the angels? Now, uh, I'm not going to try to guess at what kinds of visions you've all had of the angels, of the stories that you've had, uh, you know, when you saw them and what they did and what may, maybe they said. That doesn't really concern me. Nor really do I care all that much about what you might think about the angels, what you might imagine about them, how they look or how they might dress, or how it might look when they appear in front of you. Or, if an angel appeared in front of you right now, maybe you've thought about what you might say to one of them. Um, I don't think that that is the topic for tonight. Instead, I suggest that we suspend these fanciful thoughts and bring whatever beliefs we have in the existence and the work of angels under the judgment of the Holy Scriptures. Now, sometimes we, we're worried, right? Like, uh Angels, that sounds like a really sort of an exciting topic, but what happens if we limit what we say about the angels to what is said in the Holy Scriptures? Maybe we won't have as big of ideas about the angels as we used to have or something like that. That is not the problem, let me assure you. The problem is that people don't really know enough about the angels from the Holy Scriptures, and if they did, they would be day after day in wonder and amazement over these creatures. And and the great works that they perform in service to people like you and me. So the first thing you need to say about the angels is that they really exist. And I, I don't mean that they exist in sort of a metaphorical way, you know, uh that they exist in the Bible as literary tropes or something like that, uh representations of immaterial truths. I mean that they're real, they're real persons, they're individuals with names and personality. They can communicate with people, in fact. That's one of their main jobs, is to come to, to the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists, to shepherds on the side of a hill, to preach to them. Now, they're not like other people that you know. That is, uh, you can't touch them, <laughs> you can't see them, and uh, uh, and at, outside of the Scriptures, uh, we don't even hear them anymore. They speak to us through the Scriptures. They're not made of stuff like you are, like the material of this world. They're not an earthly substance. Instead, we would say that they are immaterial and spiritual. They're a part of the spiritual creation that is all around us, and yet we cannot see it, we can't taste it, we can't hear it. And yet, we confess it. We confess it like we just did, by saying, you know, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and of earth, and of all things visible and invisible. Now, as Christians, we don't let this bother us, right? That we can't grab an angel, put the angel under the microscope or something like that. But because we have God's word, and we know that our Lord doesn't lie to us, we believe it when he tells us about the angels. Now, this is what also we can say about the angels. They are holy. They stand before the face of God, and they worship him, always in perfect communion with God's will, what he wants. When God commands the angels, it is their greatest pleasure and joy to do what he wants them to do. Now, why would these glorious and heavenly beings, why would they matter to a tangible world like ours? A world of stuff that is corruptible, that is mutable, that changes, that decays, that that even dies. They matter to us because God says they do. It turns out that God has given these spiritual creatures that far exceed us in terms of their glory and their holiness, even in their power and intellect and, and everything that you could think is great about being a human being, spiritually speaking, they are much greater. God has given to these beings a kind of power and authority with regard this world. They are to be involved. With our history, with salvation history, as you see in the scriptures, right? So when Jesus is born, the angels are there. When Jesus rises from the dead, the angels are there. When Jesus ascends into heaven, the angels come and they preach again, you know? But not only are they to be there and present and working in salvation history, right? And during the time in the life and the ministry of Jesus, they're also to be at work in your life as well. In terms of your salvation. And I think this is the topic, the main topic that I'm going to focus on tonight. Now, when I say that the angels have power and authority in this world, I'm not kidding. Uh, there's a story in Second Kings uh, chapter 19. Maybe some of you know it, you know. Uh, where there are all these Assyrians that are coming against the people of Israel. And it looks like certain doom for the Israelites until the Lord unleashes just one. One is the single one of his angels. And 185,000 of the Assyrians fall in one night. Swiped out, like that. The angels have power, To fell a whole troop of soldiers guarding Jesus' tomb by doing nothing but, but just being there. (laughs) The angel has power to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb without any effort or exertion. It'd be like picking up a styrofoam cup to you. This is the kind of power that the angels have and how does God say that the angels are to use this kind of power in this world among us? You heard it in the Gospel lesson. Jesus says that the angels are to use their power to help the children, to be with the kids. Jesus also tells us in the Holy Scriptures that the angels are to use their power in service to the dying. Those are the two groups that are specified specifically by the Scriptures. Now, there are countless examples of the angels coming to the aid of many other people in the Bible, right? And in fact, we should be uh, certain that through this example that you know the angels come and help us in ways that we don't even know about. But two groups in particular have the promise, the kids and those who are dying. So Jesus says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And then again, Jesus makes the promise to the dying through the example of Lazarus, when he says that when the saint, uh, when the, when a saint dies, his soul is escorted to heaven by the angels. That the angels take the soul and, and, and bring it to Abraham's bosom, you know, to be embraced by the saints in heaven. Now what this shows us is that the promise and the comfort of the angels in this life is bound up most of all not not to those things that that we take pride in as human beings. The angels angels aren't bound up to our good works. And no doubt... (laughs) Apart from God's Word and the Scriptures, uh, we would invent a ladder the, uh, to merit the works of the angels and to come into communion with them, right? In fact, I mean, this is what paganism is. You step outside of Christianity and the preaching of God's Word, and suddenly you find yourself in a mystical exercise of some sort to come into communion or contact with the angels or the demons or whoever else, you know, the spiritual beings. I mean, this, the whole sort of pagan religious life of Mad- Madagascar is built up around this sort of idea. No, the angels aren't to be bound up to our works. They're not to be bound up to our strength. But instead, the angels are to be bound up to our weakness. And they're especially promised to those who cannot work to help themselves. Now, sometimes the, the, you know, the world will say about the children that they're innocent. Uh, but only Jesus and only the Holy Scriptures say that the children are to be honored, you know? Now, you're sure enough, you know you, you, you see that the, the, the coaches try to give the kids participation trophies, but even people in the world make fun of it. It's a sham, right? But Jesus means it when he says, the children are honored. And see how I honor them even with the ministry of the angels. That The kids aren't doing works to impress the angels. It's the other way around, you see? The angels are there to serve the children. Uh, it's even it's even that way with the dying. They're weak. Their strength is failing. They're stripped of their dignity, and yet Jesus says that surrounding them is a whole host of these heavenly beings who see the face of God, who sing the triune praises of God in His throne room. Here they come to be around this this person who dies, to stand guard, to keep at bay the last attacks of the devil and his demons. Now, you know that you should not feel left out, because in the Scriptures tonight, Jesus is teaching you, especially, how you are to be like the children, weak, helpless, powerless, you are not to, to march up to heaven in a ladder of your own devising, right? But instead, you are to be like one of the little children, to receive your honor from God without merit, undeserved, by grace, through a promise that you are to live like a little baby does, with faith. And that's how the Psalms teach they say that God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Now, if the Lord loves the weak, if he loves the helpless, and he gives his angels charge over the weak and the helpless, then most certainly are the devil and the demons crazy and mad with their hatred for anything that is weak and anything that is helpless. Now, Parents know this better than most. Um, The demons, I heard Pastor Wolfmuller speak about this before, but I don't know if he's ever gone into depth about it. Uh, The demons terrorize children. The devil terrorizes the children. He tries to shake their trust in both God's love and the love of their parents. I might not have thought about this before, becoming a parent and having conversations with my kids, but I, I understand it all too well now that as soon as you teach your children about Jesus and his love and the forgiveness of sins, right? Somehow the children are also terrified at the same time by the idea of the devil being out there. They're shocked by the fact that they have a sinful flesh, and their sinful flesh is fighting against what they know to be God's will the Ten Commandments. They know that their own sinful flesh is always fighting against the faith that was given them in their baptisms. And to kids, this is terrifying. They think about the devil, and they see him as a monster. A monster that's too big to kill. Right? A real dragon that lurks within the backs of their minds, that tries to to, to get them to cry before they go to sleep because they're so scared, you know? Man, I've not even had this conversation with my own kids. I've had it with, uh, this conversation with many other kids in this church. Just strange. I never expected this sort of conversation, but it comes up again and again and again. And that's because what Jesus loves, the weak and the lowly, the children, that's where the devil wants to attack. And in the same way, the devil attacks the dying. In the minds of Christians, the devil enters when death is close, when you can feel it, when it's sapping your strength. The devil enters into the courts of your conscience with the testimony of every single sin that you've ever committed. And then he magnifies it, all of them. Or perhaps if you think lightly of some of the sins, you'll be sure to draw out a few sharp ones to overwhelm you, to try to to destroy your hope. You'll hold up one sin and say, how about this one? Does God really forget about this one? If you can't forget about it, it, what does it mean about God? God can't forget about it. Or He'll say another time, yeah, those sins might not be so bad, but this one, if God really knew how much you enjoyed that sin while you were doing it, how could he even stand the thought of you? Your body fails. It grows weak. And the devil says, look, God has finally given you over to death. Where is his love now? Where is his mercy? Where is this promised resurrection and life And in that moment, the devil swells himself up in your mind to become that monster, that dragon, that you knew as children in this attempt to rob you of your faith. Jesus gives us, in the Holy Scriptures tonight, promises that you are not to face the devil alone. In fact... Luther likes to talk about it in this way. Uh, Don't be arrogant and think that the devil is your enemy. (laughs) The devil is Christ's enemy. Christ wants to fight the devil. He doesn't want you to fight him. And even then, in Revelation chapter 12, see what Jesus does. He, The devil is so beneath him, right, that when he ascends into heaven to bring the testimony of his blood to the throne of God. Jesus doesn't grab the devil to throw him out of heaven. Instead, he he tells one of his angels to do the work for him. The devil is not Jesus' equal. The blood and the testimony of God himself is stronger and more powerful than any accusation that the devil can bring before God's throne. The blood and the testimony of the word is stronger than any fear that the devil might try to swell up in your minds and your hearts, such that even in the weakest of us, right, in the children and in the dying, a miracle happens. Instead of being consumed by their fear and their terror of what the devil is trying to do to them, In trying to rob them of their faith and their hope, they believe. They trust. They confess with their mouths that I know that Jesus died for me. And even though the dying person is staring, is staring the, uh, you know, their own demise straight in the face, and even though they know that their flesh is wicked and corrupt, even though they know that they have sinned, yet in the moment of death, by the strength of Jesus' blood, by the word, Of this testimony, the devil and his demons have to flee. And the angels once again win victory over them. This is incredible. We really need to think about this. This scene from Revelation chapter 12. St. Michael throws out Satan... Not because the devil has anything, has any sort of power against St. Michael, or that St. Michael is afraid that he has to fight him, he's compelled to fight him. St. Michael's never sinned. The testimony concerning St. Michael before the throne of God is always good. But now that Jesus has become man, has shed real blood on a real cross for your for your real sins. Now Saint Michael fights for you. For human beings. For flesh and blood. For beings that are, that are less in glory than he is. And yet because Jesus ascended, and yet because Jesus has taken to the high heavenly places, to the right hand of God, your own human nature. Now even the angels themselves serve you and minister to you and honor you as brothers to the Christ himself. And this is exactly what David was saying in Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, You have put all things under His feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Where Jesus ascends and rules and reigns with creation beneath Him, so He also takes us to reign with Him as our brother, as our Savior. God did not become an angel to save angels. God became man to save you. And that's the real point tonight. The angels serve you and minister to you, not because you're so great, but because Jesus died for you. He died for the weak, and he loves the weak, and he lifts up and exalts and justifies the weak. And no doubt, all of us, long ago would have been consumed and, and eaten alive by the devil and his demons. But we have the promise of God that Jesus loves us and the promise that the heavenly hosts fight for us. The Lord grant us to hear this word to strengthen our faith and our hope. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.